Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. What a blessing it is to pastor this church with the team that we have. I'm so grateful for each of the pastors on our team. I want to highlight a couple of them this morning. As you heard in the announcements, uh, the one-year anniversary of Crosspoint School of Arts, Pastor Fisher leading that. It's been incredible. It's been so good to see what God has done uh, through that over the last year and just to see the growth and the continual growth of that as people are raised up to develop their musical giftings and uh, and it's just been so fun. Grateful, grateful uh, for him and to just see over the last nine years as God has shaped him and developed him and raised him up for such a time as this, it's it's fun. And then the other staff member that I want to highlight is Pastor Madison sitting right up here on the second row. She just released a book this week. It's a development devotional book to inspire people to, it's a journal to inspire people to read the book, the Gospels and Acts. And, uh, and so I'm just so grateful for her willingness to use her giftings for the glory of God. And I love what she's done in this is she's pointing people, all of us, to spend more time in the Word of God. And I'm just telling you that as a church, we don't go wrong when we spend more time in the Word of God. And so she has four copies left uh, for you at the end of this service. If you want to grab one, don't, please don't, you know, maul people. You know, it's not Black Friday. We'll be back next week and she'll have some more copies. And so, uh, and then my wife released a book this week as well, uh, a, a devotional for, uh, for the Advent season. And she'll have some copies of that next week. And again, I love about both of these resources that it's just driving people back to the word of God. And so uh, let's express our appreciation for all of that. Well, we have been in a series over the last seven weeks or so called The Building Blocks of Faith. And today we're gonna wrap up this series by talking about the building block of serving. In the first week, we talked about in, in this series that the, to, for our foundation, and Christ must be our foundation, the solid rock. And Jesus said, and some of you could even quote the scripture with me because you're like, you've said the same thing for the last seven weeks. Yes, I have. Is it in you? You know, like the, the wise builder, Jesus says, builds his house on the rock. And when the rain falls, when the floods come, when the wind blows, the house will still be standing upright. He writes that the foolish person builds their house on the sand and when the rain falls and the wind blows and the, and the, the floods come, then the house collapses. And our goal is that all of us would find faith in Christ and not lose it. That all of us would find faith in Christ and not lose it. Our goal is to reach the 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of our church who don't go to church, who don't have faith in Christ. This happens when we intentionally build and develop the house of faith. This happens when we intentionally build and develop the house of faith. So the foundation is Jesus, and we've talked about some of the key building blocks in this series of togetherness and Holy Spirit empowerment, worship, and hope. And last week, Erica and I talked about prayer, the building block of prayer. It was encouraging to see so many people come forward last week, even in this first service, to see people coming forward in worship and just praying and believing that God is going to hear you when you cry out to 
to him. Let's see more of that. As I mentioned last week, some of you are like, I've tried that once before and it didn't work. Well, keep at it. Let's keep bombarding heaven until he meets the needs. If you've missed any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Facebook or YouTube or take a listen on Spotify. The blocks that we've looked at the past six weeks are not exhaustive. There are clearly other building blocks that are equally important for us to utilize as we talk about building an individual house of faith and a corporate house of faith. But the ones that we've talked about in the first week, I used a, a big Jenga illustration. For those of you who've ever played Jenga, it's just a bunch of blocks that are stacked up. It takes you back to preschool and you start pushing on them and you try to keep getting the tower to stand up. But As you knock out the blocks, the tower keeps growing taller, but there are holes that are made into the walls of that Jenga building. And what we want to see with a house of faith is that there wouldn't be any holes, but that each of us would build on the solid foundation of Jesus, that we would utilize all of the building blocks that he's given to us, and that as Ephesians says, as the enemy would fire his fiery darts towards us, that there wouldn't be a place for those darts to penetrate because the wall is solid. Our house has been built on Jesus and utilizing the building blocks that he's given to us. Today, we're talking about the building block of serving. We've talked about the building of this house of faith and serving builds up the individual and the collective house of faith. When we give ourselves in service to others, it glorifies God and it does something for us. In Matthew chapter 25, there's this parable of the talents. And when we talk about talents in this passage, to not take anything for granted, Jesus isn't talking about a a specific skill that someone has. Uh, Instead, he's talking about a sum of money. And it says that the master is going away and he gives these servants one five talents, another two talents, and another one one talent. And when the master returns, the servant that had five talents says, I've doubled this and now there are five talents more. And the servant that had two talents said, I've also doubled this. And this is what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 25. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. The servant who was given one talent And again, this says that they were given talents according to their ability. The one servant who was given one talent buried it in the ground and there was no return on the investment. And rather than receiving a reward that day, he received punishment. Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, talking about the final judgment. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 31 It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, 
As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to the one on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they'll also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he'll answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. God, would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you'd have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives this warning. He says there's a separation that's going to happen one day. To those who are genuine followers of Jesus, he'll say, enter into your reward that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For those who are not followers of Jesus, verse 41 warns of their fate. He says, he'll say, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the, de- the devil and his angels. In verse 46, he says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Can I just tell you, like I want all of us and I want everybody to be on the right side of that. Like when the final judgment comes, I want all of us to be genuine followers of Jesus, that he would say to us, enter into your, into your reward, right? That's my prayer and my hope for all of us. Jesus is not making a case in this passage for works-based salvation. He isn't saying because you did this, because you clothed the naked, you fed me, you gave me something to drink, you welcomed a stranger, you did all of these things. He isn't saying because you did this that this is why they're receiving their reward. Instead, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, For by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of any of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. In Matthew chapter 25, as Jesus is talking about this, there's this phrase that's really interesting, this interesting statement that Jesus makes. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. And when I was in prison, you came to me. And he says that the righteous will say to him, Master, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When were you a stranger that we welcomed you in? When were you naked and we clothed you? When were you sick and we visited you? When were you in prison and we came to you? And Jesus says this powerful phrase in verse number 40. Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you've done it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. It's so powerful. And their kindness to the needy was not in order to gain a reward or merit a salvation. It was simply part of the way that they lived in response to what Christ had done for them. If you'll allow me for just a moment this morning, I want to take you down memory lane for me in my upbringing in church. 
I love the church and there are moments for me as a kid and as a teenager that shaped who I am today. There are people who invested in, in me and they served Jesus and as a result, it, it shaped the love that I have for God and the love that I have for his church. There are plenty of pastors that I could highlight and talk about as well that had an impact on my life. And one of the reasons why I don't wanna share those stories with you today is because I don't want you to leave here with, from this message thinking that the only people who can make a difference in someone's life is a pastor, right? And so I wanna share with you some stories of ordinary people who shaped my love for Jesus and my love for his church. My family attended a small country church until I was 11 years old. How many of you grew up in a small country church? Would you just raise your hands? All right, so some of you uh, know what, what I'm about to talk about. There was, uh, I remember uh, some, several memories from that church, and one is that Sister Norris led the kids' ministry on Sunday morning. She led the children's church with joy and gladness. I remember an older gentleman by the name of Jerry who faithfully every Wednesday night showed up to the boys' uh, kids' ministry that took place. We were separated. There was a thing called Boys' Brigade. It was like Royal Rangers. And if you're like, what's Royal Rangers? It was like a Christian version of Boy Scouts. And so you would earn these badges and these awards and you'd memorize scripture and they would point us to Jesus. And, and I remember a, 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 a knife that I won as, a, as an award for one of those things. And I also remember a hatchet that I have uh, that I was awarded for something that I had done when I was a kid that Mr. Jerry gave to me and I received it with pride. My parents thought so much about it, they put it in a tote in the attic and this summer they were emptying their attic and they said, here's all your crap, you know? And, <laughs> and so they, they brought it up here to Waverly and I started sorting through it and, and that hatchet was there. Who would have realized that 30 years later that hatchet throwing would be something cool, you know? So now I've got something to practice with. I remember the poor Sunday school teacher who showed up every Sunday morning to teach us the Bible. I remember at Christmas time, because there are just things that get etched into your mind when you're a kid, and she's reading the Christmas story to us. And it comes across this verse that says, the Virgin Mary. And we're little kids. And one little kid said, Mrs. So-and-so, what's a virgin? And she said, why don't you ask your parents when you get home? And I was like, what in the world is so scandalous in the Bible that we can't talk about it in the church? I'm really grateful that we weren't reading from the Song of Solomon that day. <laughs> I remember when the church built a gymnasium, my dad and my uncle were, in, were hardwood floormen. And when the church built the gym, they took what they had, they took the skill sets that they had and they volunteered and they gave the hardwood floors to the church gym. It was utilized by everybody in the church, but primarily by the next generation, I was a beneficiary of somebody who took what they had and used it for the glory of God. 32 years later, after a heart procedure, my dad would come to our church, to this building, and he would stand down and refinish this stage where we get to worship the Lord and preach from every single Sunday because somebody took what they had and they just used it to serve God. When I was 11, our family started going to the church that my grandmother went to. And I have so many fond memories of what God did in that season uh, there in those years. I was saved there. I was baptized in water there. I was called into ministry during those years. And they were formative years for me. I remember guys that were just a little bit older than me, like Brock and Jeremy, who would make sure that my twin brother and I made it to all of the youth activities. They had 
driver's license and we didn't. And they would swing by and they would pick us up to make sure that we were there. Remember youth leaders that would faithfully show up every single Wednesday night. They would pray over us and speak life into us and disciple us and encourage us. I remember one Sunday night, I was, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was sitting on the third row and apparently I was tired because I fell asleep. And the next thing I know, this big guy named Joe comes up behind me and he taps me on the shoulders and he has his keys out. And he said, hey, if you want to keep sleeping, here are the keys to my car. You're welcome to go out to my car and keep sleeping. Otherwise, you might want to sit up. And I'm telling you, I was terrified and wide awake. Like I didn't sleep for a week, you know? Like I was not, I'm not going out to this car to sleep. I'm not falling asleep after that. I thought my parents are gonna find out. I was sleeping in church. I'm gonna get in trouble, you know, all of this different stuff. I was awake for the rest of that service. I remember Mrs. Lamberty who volunteered her time each week uh, teaching us human videos. And some of you have seen your teenagers and some of you have participated in human videos. It's drama put to music. I remember Miss Wanda and Miss Teddy teaching the choir and leading the youth choir and, and taking us on different tours. I remember one summer we were uh, on choir tour and we were staying at this hotel and there was a swimming pool and I was being egged on to get Miss Wanda into the pool and that was not a smart decision. And But teenage boys, you know, Lord help us all. And so you know, I'm trying to move her into the pool. And as I do, one of us is gonna get hurt because she's not going willfully or joyfully and we're going into the pool. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I took one for the team and my legs scraped down the side of the pool and that deck all the way into it. You know, these are memories of people who shaped my love of Jesus and my love for the church, people who just gave of their time, they took what they had and they served God. I, I remember Cammie Culpepper teaching me singing lessons and I'm telling you that as a kid, I could not sing whatsoever and I can't imagine how painful it was for her each week to be playing these notes on the keyboard and trying to get me to sing along to those notes and just hit them. And those of you who are musical are probably like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was painful. She deserves all kinds of crowns when she gets to heaven. But she was serving and trying to develop something in me. I remember Miss Betty and Brother Terry. These, I grew up in the South, and that's what you call people, brother and sister, right? So Sister Betty and Brother Terry teaching me Sunday school, teaching our Sunday school class from the time I was in ninth grade till I was a freshman in college. Like people who prepared every single week to show up on a Sunday morning and instill love for the word of God that continues to this day. I don't remember a single Sunday school lesson that they taught, but I remember that they were always there for us. They pointed us to the word of God. I remember Rick Todd driving a van for one of our youth trips and me sitting up front with him. And I said, Mr. Ricky, if John the Baptist was Baptist, then why in the world are we assemblies of God? Some of you are like, that's a really good question. Are you gonna answer that? I will, I will. The Baptist denomination was not around when John the Baptist walked the earth. Let's start there. The, the reason why John the Baptist was called John the Baptist was because he was the baptizer. It was what he did, which is why he was given that name. And so then I was like, okay, okay, so we can still be assemblies of God. That's cool. So, you know, he taught me. And as simple as, as that, you know, how many know that we just need people? We don't know what we don't know. And to know that there were people who were willing to just serve and teach us. 
I remember people giving sacrificially so I could go on missions trips and how that shaped me. I remember Rod Piper leading a ministry called Evangelism Explosion that each Tuesday night we would gather for prayer and some training and then we would go out into the community and he taught us how to share our faith with others, to present the gospel. I remember... uh, uh, how Erica and I met at Bible college. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. She grew up in Topeka and we met and we're ready to get married. And where are you going to have the wedding? Well, it's not going to be in Memphis. It's going to be where the bride wants to get married, which was Topeka, Kansas. And I remember Sharon Todd saying, there's so many people in our church that love you that won't be able to make it to your wedding that's out of town. I want to throw a reception for you. This lady threw a reception for us at at the church that I grew up at so that people in our church could be part of that. That same lady, when Erica and I were getting ready to go to India for a three-year missions term, said, your family shouldn't have to say goodbye to you at the airport. And so she rented a limousine, had it at my parents' house. We were able to say goodbye to all of our family, load up in a limousine. She had communion prepared for us in the deal. Like, I'm a you know, a snotty mess right there. And here Erica and I and our kids are taking communion as we're on our way to the airport, leaving our families behind and the thoughtfulness of her. And again, of people who just said, God, I wanna serve you. I wanna be faithful with what I've had. And, and I'm telling you that those gestures and so many more shaped who I am today. I'm grateful for the church experiences that I had as a kid and I'm grateful for the church experiences that I'm currently having. I'm grateful that there were people who in response to what Christ had done for them chose to serve him by serving others. They prayed for me. They pointed me towards Jesus. They discipled me. They sharpened me. They helped shape me into the child of God that I am today. They set me up to have a profound, deep love of Jesus and his church. And I still love his church and I still love serving his church. And some of you are like, well, you get paid for it. Yeah, but even if I didn't, You can laugh at that, it's okay. But I'll just tell you that I served his church before I was ever paid for it and if if something were to happen, I'll continue to serve his church even if I'm not paid for it because I love Jesus and I love serving his church. And so on my best days and my worst days, I remind myself that the things that we do for others in service of him, Jesus said, we've done it unto him. When someone appreciates it, we've done it unto him. When someone is extra grace required, we've done it as unto him. I wonder who are some ordinary people that have made a huge impact on you? In what ways have they inspired you to love Jesus and love his church more? I think it's incredible to see the number of people across all of the ministries in our church that are being discipled. There are nearly or just over 330 people who are part of small groups this semester. Like 330 people who have said, I want more than just what I'm getting on Sunday morning. I wanna grow deeper in my knowledge of the word of God and I wanna grow deeper in my love for him. And so they're being discipled through small groups. This session, I'm part of the men's group on Tuesdays and we're literally just opening up the word of God. Randy, uh, Randy Morris is the table leader for that. And as I've been reading the book of John in preparation for the discussion at the table, I'm like, man, this stuff is really good. And then even this last week, we're talking about the three different chapters from John. And Randy looks at somebody at the table and says, what is this? And, and so I'm learning something new, even as we're going through this. And he looks at this guy at the table and says, what does this mean? And this guy 
like spouted out the answer and I was very grateful that he called on him and not on me because if he had called on me, I'd be like, I'm dumb, 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 I have no idea. So even for me, I'm still growing in my knowledge of the word of God. When I think of why we exist as a church, which is to inspire and equip people to give their whole selves to God, to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. That we, we do this by making disciples and developing ministers. There's this mandate from Christ to go into all the world and make disciples. And all the world includes Waverly and Clarksville and Shell Rock and, and all of the surrounding communities and to the uttermost parts of the world. We're mandated to make disciples. You don't have to answer this out loud, but whose responsibility is it to, to make disciples? Whose responsibility is it to make disciples? I would propose to you that ministers are the ones who make disciples. Ministers are the ones who make disciples. And some of you are like, shh, I'm off the hook. That's cool. So that's what you do. And that's what Pastor Madison does and Pastor Levinsky does and PG and Pastor Fisher and Pastor Dan. You guys are ministers and so you make disciples and so now I'm off the hook. And I'll just tell you that part of that statement is true. Like we are making disciples. But the part of you being off the hook is not true. And here's why. Let's look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 11. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, and look carefully at where verse number 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's the purpose of each of these offices of apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers? Verse number 12 tells us that. Let's put it back up on the screen again. Verse number 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What's the work of the ministry? Making disciples and developing ministers. We believe that we have a God-given mandate as a church to make disciples and develop ministers. And I would propose to you that disciples are made by being and ministers are made by doing. And I think it's incredible to see the number of people who, again, are serving in all kinds of areas across our church and our denominational news reached out to us this week. They've heard about what's happening in Waverly and they interviewed a few of us and they're doing a story on it. And one of the things that PG celebrated with him is he said, this summer at VBS, we had 150 kids come. And he's like, that's amazing. He says, but what was more amazing is that we had over 130 adults who came to serve at VBS. Y'all, that's unheard of. It's unheard of to have that. We're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. We're not operating just with the bare minimum. Instead, nearly as many adults showed up to help at VBS as kids who showed up at VBS. People who said, I wanna be part of the discipleship process of the next generation. People who said, I wanna be a part of shaping how the next generation sees Jesus and loves Jesus and loves his church. It's incredible. 
There's a principle called the Pareto principle, otherwise known as the 80-20 rule. And, and in that, in a church setting, it would say something like this, that 80% of the funds given to the church are done by 20% of the people. That's not accurate in our situation. It would also say that 80% of the people, excuse me, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And I'm just grateful to be a part of a church that the Pareto principle is out the window, that there is a much higher percentage of people involved in our church and involved in serving. My wife, Erica, leads our sisterhood ministry for women. In this session, they sent out a survey to try to group people up with people of like demographics and like-minded and, 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 and like interest. And so in it, she asked a number of demographic questions. And one of the questions that she asked is, do you currently serve in a ministry at Crosspoint? And if so, what ministries are you involved in? Family Feud? How many are ready for what the survey says? Survey says 50%, and I realize that this doesn't take into consideration everything, right? It's just a small segment, not a small, it's, a, it's not a full segment of, it's not a full view of our whole church. It's a segment of our church. But the survey said that 50% of the ladies involved in sisterhood small groups serve in some capacity, which means that 50% don't. It would be interesting to do a survey of men's ministry as well and see where, where that falls. And what this tells me is that if we're serious about making disciples and developing ministers, then we have some work to do. If we're serious about making disciples and developing ministers, we have some work to do. So as you came in today, there was a piece of paper that has a list of ministries. Pastor Madison, thanks for putting this together. It also has a QR code on it. And what we would love for you to do today is fill this out. Maybe there are some of you who are on the, on the sideline and, and you're like, I, there's, I, want, I want to be developed as a minister. Well, I just want you to know that there are opportunities for you. And uh, if you would, take a break from looking at that for just a second and look up to me. And not look up to me, but look at me. There you go. That's, this is, <laughs> that was weird. Look up to me. No, look at me. I realize that there are seasons and there are some of you who have come in and you're hurting and you're bruised up and you're tired. And I just want you to know that if that's you, you're in the right place. And so I just encourage you, get healed up, get filled up and get powered up. And when you are, there's gonna be a place for you. But for those of you who are already healed up, filled up, powered up, man, if you're not doing something with that, do something with it. Like with what Christ has done for us and all that he's boiling up inside of us that wants to come out, there's a place for you to sign up. And so I'd encourage you uh, to do that. In addition to the opportunities at, uh, at our church, there are a couple of ministries outside of our church that, that I just wanna highlight for just a moment. Alternatives is a, uh, is a pregnancy center in Waterloo and uh, they provide all kinds of services. They provide ultrasounds, they provide parental classes, they provide resources for people. And, uh, and so when people find themselves with an unexpected pregnancy, then there's a service for them. And, and they have a satellite location right here in our building on the 
the third floor. And so while they meet here, the ministry is disconnected from our church. And so how you sign up is not by filling out a piece of paper and letting us know. Instead, Google alternatives in Waterloo and you'll see the information there. And there's an application that, that you can fill out and be a part of that even right here in our community. It's super convenient for you. And the other ministry that I, or not ministry, but opportunity that I wanna draw your attention to is there's a program called All In Mentoring. It's like big brothers, big sisters. And I was talking to Pastor Aaron Bird of Riverwood Church a few weeks ago. And he said that they're grateful for the mentors that they currently have. And those mentors are making a difference, but that there are children on a waiting list at our schools and our community because there aren't enough mentors. And so maybe God would call some of you to sign up. And we'll post on our social media pages uh, this week about that and so that you can have a link on how to sign up. But whether it's inside the church or outside the church, we're called to make disciples and develop ministers. Imagine with me if we took this mandate seriously. Think of the depth of relationship with the Lord that we would have and others would have around us as we study and we share his word. Think of the God conversations that can happen as we serve God. Imagine if every person in our church was serving in their gifting. The ministries that would be staffed, the ministries that would be started, the lives that would be changed. A number of weeks ago, someone came up to me and they said, they said, our church needs a ministry to single moms. And I said, I agree. Do you want to lead it? And the person said, no. I said, that's okay. Well, let's pray. Let's pray for someone that God will call up to lead this ministry. What are the other ministries that, that we need in our community that if we would step up and step out, we could impact the lives of people? I see Stephanie and Eric Freeze back in the back. And the buddy room wouldn't be on this list under kids ministry on the website if it wasn't for she and Molly Burns who said, you know what, we've gotta have a room for special needs kids in our community. And so a number of months ago, they took it upon themselves to open this room again. They saw a need and they filled it. I mentioned to you about Brother Terry, my Sunday school teacher from ninth grade till my freshman year of college. A number of years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer and he's in his hospital room and he's about to finish his race of faith and I walk into the room and he would call me son he said son I'm about to finish my race it looks like I'm about to finish my race of faith and I looked at him and I said it's all right dad because you've raised up some sprinters we're going to grab the baton and we're going to run as fast as we can until Jesus comes back And I just have to imagine that when he passed from this life to the next, that the master said to brother Terry, thanks for opening up your home. Thanks for teaching me in that Sunday school class. Thanks for driving the van. Thanks for feeding me when I was hungry. Thanks for giving me something to drink when I was thirsty. And him looking at Jesus like, what are you talking about? And him go, oh, I remember Matthew chapter 25. 
You said that when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was in jail, you came to me. When I was naked, you clothed me. That's right, you said that. I guarantee you he has no regrets. Because what he did wasn't for me, it was for God. But in what he did for God, it shaped who I am today. We'll never know this side of eternity, the impact that we'll have on people as we just serve God and we serve him inside the church and outside the church. The action step today is for those of you who aren't currently serving in any capacity that you would pray and not ask God, should I serve? So we know the answer to that. Unless right now you're needing to be healed up and filled up and powered up. But for the rest of us, God, what are you calling me to? Are there ministries that aren't on this list? And so I strongly encourage you, take that action step and let's see what God does. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never confessed your sins to him. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. And earlier as we talk about this great judgment and the separation that will happen for those who are genuine followers of Jesus, the master will say, enter into your reward. And for those who aren't followers of Jesus, eternal punishment is what awaits them. And so you say today, I wanna move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God. I I wanna confess my sins to him. I wanna turn from my sins and live a life of obedience that's pleasing to him. And maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, two, three, you can put them down. Four, are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who needed to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God wants to take you on.
We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way up to the front. I'm gonna lead us in prayer. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. So I'm gonna pray and then let's do that. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the moving of your spirit today, that you would turn the hearts of four people to you. God, we pray for others in this room today that haven't made that decision, who still haven't confessed you as Lord and Savior, that, that they would knock and that, that as you knock, that they would open up the door of their heart to, to confessing you as their Lord and Savior. God, I'm grateful for the experiences that I had growing up in church. I'm grateful for the experiences that I have now. God, if people even in this room who've served you so faithfully that it's inspired me to wanna love you more and love your church more. God, I pray for whatever barriers are up in the way of, of, of people who haven't stepped out into that. God, I pray that you would remove those barriers that even now that people would walk in obedience to you to be part of making disciples and developing ministers. And so God, would you direct people to the right ministries? Would they find joy and fulfillment in serving you. And God, decades from now for your glory, would there be people in our church who would call out the names of ordinary people who simply took what they had in their hands and used it to serve you. That people would stand up and testify that today that their faith is stronger and that their love in you is stronger because of people who faithfully and obediently served you. For your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.